Epic Turn is a podcast about the hobby gaming industry, what we love or hate about it, how it is evolving and changing, and other things that as gamers we're passionate about. Your hosts are Brian McLemore, that's me, and Tim Aldridge. Welcome as we take our next Epic Turn. So we have an awesome guest here on Epic Turn this week. It's a good friend of mine. His name is Aloy, and he is the owner, president, the head chief, the gaming guru of Third Eye Games. Aloy, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Um, well, I think Tim actually just did a pretty good job of that. Um, I'm Aloy LaSanta, and I'm the owner slash head guy slash CEO of Third Eye Games. <laughs> Well, welcome, Aloy. I think we're both very excited to have you here. Um, I'm excited to be here. It's it's um, it's been a while, uh, so I'm excited to uh, have good conversations. Okay. Well, hopefully we can do that and not just ramble the whole time. Uh, a little bit of feedback we've gotten good. from some of our listeners. Rambling's part of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to control it a little bit, I guess. Oh, That's you have to do that. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. I don't know. Maybe I should start drinking. Stop drinking so much coffee. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I have a little bit of follow up if you if we don't mind starting there. Go ahead. Okay. So, and this kind of ties into you too, Aloy, because I think out of the three of us, you're the only one here with actual like certifiable experience on Kickstarter. Okay. Um, have you seen what happened with two? Uh, it was a board game that got put on Kickstarter. It was the Doom that came to Atlantic City. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they announced on the 23rd that the game is done. You know, uh, they and there's been tons of calls of foul play, uh, you know, uh, extortion or not extortion. Um, Embezzlement. Em- uh, sorry, my, uh, fraud. There we go. Fraud. There you go. Yeah. Sorry. Riddle <laughs> fraud. Yeah. I was just gonna. Cut, I was just gonna keep throwing words out until one of them fit. Yeah. Well, it's kind of fitting, I guess, that a game called The Doom of Atlantic City would get canceled. Yeah. But uh, um, best part about that, actually, um, I believe that he put up on his blog today that they were that they're actually going to save the game and the game is actually going to get produced. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. OK. I've not seen that yet. That Let me see. As of like a couple of hours before this recording. Okay. Uh, that might be why we missed it. We were kind of driving back from work. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. Um the last update I see on Kickstarter is of July 31st. He's started refunding people. Let me find the – kind of, oh, Sorry, I was say, to kind of break it down, uh, the Doom to Atlantic City, yeah, we mentioned fraud. So the pr- project got canceled and the guy said, you know, the it was $122,000 off a, I believe, a $30,000 backing. 35. 35, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, he's like, look, I'm going to have to – you know, I just have to get a job now and I have to refund you all personally – well, what's funny is the designer, Keith Baker, responded the next, you know, on the 24th that basically said, we're all in shock. We didn't know this was happening. We didn't know what was going on. Right. Uh, you know, we, we we don't exactly know where this money even went to. So they were in the same boat going, you know, we're also in the dark. You know, please don't take it out on us. We're trying our best to figure out what's going on. As soon as we know, we will you know, kind of let you know, cause we're getting with our lawyers. So yeah. Now Aloy, that's okay. Aloy just linked to what he was talking about in the, in the chat and cryptozoic has worked with Keith Baker, the, the designer, not the Eric guy from that did the Kickstarter. Right. And they're saving it. Yep. Oh man. Corey Jones. Yeah. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, and it, as much as I'd say though, I mean, this is something we kind of talked about a little bit on the first episode, where people are treating um, 
and this is one thing I want to talk about, I guess, where people are treating Kickstarter like a uh, like an order platform. It's just a bunch of pre-buys, and they don't seem to understand that you know things can happen. You can be out of your experience. You can underestimate the money that you need, and projects may never come to fruition. I completely agree with that. Um, a lot of the blame in projects like this, and there's there have been a few others that have like you know the person just took a bunch of money and then just split town. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it basically comes down to when you're backing a project, you have to understand that you're giving money in the hopes that this person will produce something. And if this is their first project and they've never done it before, and it's really just a big grand idea, um, it might not actually happen. I mean, that it's, it, it's only going to happen if you give money, but even if you give money, it still might not happen. Um, you know, a lot of people could really save themselves a lot of hassle if they did their research on the person that they're giving their money to, you know, like anybody who backs one of my projects knows that I have a track record that, Mm -hmm. you know, the book that you're helping me produce is definitely going to come out. Even if it is, you know, slightly later than I said, um, it will definitely come out because that's what I do. I mean, you know, it's, it's not like this is my thing that I'm doing for, you know, 10 per, you know, a 10% effort into it and you're giving me a ton of money for it. You know, it's my, it's my 100% effort Mm -hmm. into, into these projects. So, you know, it's, it's, it's that sort of thing. Really a little bit of research will help, would help Kickstarter in general, because what ends up happening is a lot of people get like, ooh, shiny disease. And they're just like, let me throw money at that. That looks good. And, you know, and it, it just kind of gets, um, gets a little, ridiculous after a while and i was and i fell prey to that as well so mm-hmm. i had to stop backing some things as i was basically backing anything that just kind of looked cool yeah uh, <laughs> and that can end up costing a lot of money as i found oh, yeah. out yeah um yeah so and that's just one of those things i saw and i've seen it for a while and it kind of all the calls for fraud reporting that i saw in the comments thread when they announced the closure just really kind of took me by surprise mm-hmm. Um, it was very outspoken, very common. People were posting links back and forth saying, report them here, report them there. Make sure you report them in this city because that's where we moved to. And it was, I don't know, it was very uh, frightening. It, like, you know, I've thought in the past about what could I put on Kickstarter? You know, I think it's something a lot of people like us have that thought, right? And I've always wondered, what if I didn't come through? And it seems like this could be something that could just straight up ruin your life. Right. Well, and and it, and it, I think with the way that the the Kickstarter rules for, you know, for putting a Kickstarter up and everything is um, it will ruin your reputation mm-hmm. uh, more than, I, I don't think that they can do a class action suit. Like, I don't think it, I don't think you can. Cause again, you're giving money in the hopes that they will produce this thing. It's not a guarantee. And that's just kind of how Kickstarter is. Yeah. So you think there's some stuff in the terms of service there that protects yeah. the, the, the person doing the Kickstarter a little bit? I think so. Um, I mean, that'd be interesting to dig I'm, deeper. I'm not on. a lawyer. I haven't really looked, I haven't read it up on it, you know, entirely. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I mean, the, from the wording of the way that everything is when you're setting one up, and I've read some of the terms of service, but not recently, and they could have made a bunch of changes. Who knows? Right. Well, the point I was going to bring up uh, concerning, you know, especially, you know, we've talked about everybody feeling that this is a a storefront in a sense. Is that they do they do get this vigilante mentality behind them, 
which is exactly what you brought up, Brian, is, you know, I would be worried if we ever did start a Kickstarter for Epic Turn and we wanted to do something with it beyond the podcast. What could it mean for us? What what could happen if we didn't deliver? Mm-hmm. And honestly, it scares <laughs> me down to my core. It actually has prevented me from bringing up a lot more ideas. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> and for, for what it looks like, you know, even if we are protected like Eloy thinks we might have been might be underneath the terms of service. You know, proving that level of protection could still have to lead to uh, legal trouble, you know, local investigations with the fraud and, you know, even potentially going to court long enough to prove that they don't have a case. And all of that can be incredibly expensive. Well, I think another thing people don't realize, you know, like we had said is, you know, ooh, shinies, everybody invests in it. Um, that's a two-parter for me, actually, is that th- people see the big companies get back, let's say like a city and entertainment, Cryptozoic with like, for example, for Hex. And so a lot of people just get this idea that, oh, everybody's reputable. Everybody's good to, you know, is good and don't worry. Uh, but you can't do that. Like Aloy said, you have to research. It's mm-hmm. part of the, <laughs> I guess I, I do it with everybody I back minus Aloy because I knew him personally. <laughs> um, he's not that shady, I promise. I try. Um, I don't know. His avatar looks kind of creepy in that hoodie. Is, That's but. that was the point behind that though. Oh, okay. <laughs> Success. <laughs> Yay. Yay. But people should also realize that it's kind of like, you know, I brought up a while ago is it's just like any kind of capital investment firm or entrepreneurs or, you know, there's people who invest in other companies. Mm-hmm. It's a risk. It's always a risk. You can't guarantee that, you know, the money you put in is the, you're going to get money back. And in this case, you're not really getting money back. You're getting a product back. Mm-hmm. You, you can't just trust it. It's, it's always going to be a gamble. It's always going to be a risk. And it's sad that people don't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that really about sums it up, I think. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, the good news is, at least for the backers here and the designers of the Doom of Lake City, uh, as Eloy found for us, Cryptozoic stepped in. They're even going to make sure the backers of the original project get the board games. Yeah. Good. So, uh, And they're doing that out of their own pocket. They're not getting any of the money from, uh, from uh, whatever the hell the name of that fake company was. So uh, it's... But you know, the, the, the forking the path. Thing, though, mm. about... Um, the crazy thing about this whole Kickstarter thing is there was this one that kind of made people kind of shaky and, you know, kind of scared about Kickstarter. Um, there's, you know, other projects that have had kind of the same effect. There was that one, mm-hmm. which was the, uh, the how to pick up girls one that there was a lot of controversy over because mm-hmm. apparently had, you know, um, degrading material and yeah, degrading material and stuff. Yeah. And so, I mean, there was, there was stuff, there have been projects that have gotten through that have, you know, started kind of putting the spotlight on Kickstarter, um, whether it's, you know, poor, poor taste or whether it's, you know, people not getting what they wanted. And, um, and there have been tons of, there there have been tons of projects that have had the same effect. I mean, there's, there are a couple of projects like, um, like far West, um, from Adamant Games, that one is actually one that was a big deal when it first when it first kicked two years ago, because I think it was just under fifty thousand that it had made, and it it had hit a record at the time two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I went to go check my you know the the ones that I backed, and I checked it, and I was just like, hey, you're right, I never did get this. And they're oh yeah, they're still working on it. You know, it's and and they're close to producing it, but you know, there's also that expectation of you know. You know, you, Dresden Files took five years to make, for yes. instance. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, backing a project from, you know, from someone like me who it's my full-time job. And even when it wasn't my full-time job, I still had a very aggressive release schedule is not, it's not always going to be the same as backing any game designer. Some game designers like to take their time and, and do take a long time to produce a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just because you're backing it today doesn't mean you're going to get it anytime soon. No, absolutely. Are you talking about the uh, far west uh, fantasy world based on the tropes of spaghetti westerns and Chinese wuxia? Correct. Okay, yeah. I mean, that was uh, July twenty, July 11th, 2011. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, I was right. About yeah. two years. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> yeah, it started about two years ago. It ended up in middle of August uh, two years ago. And you know, I actually have one that I backed and it wasn't a game, but it was uh, this documentary documentary calling This is a Conspiracy Theory. Uh-huh. And I backed it about a year and a half ago. And the guy just put out an update saying he hopes to have it out by the end of the year. Wow. Yeah. So it's uh, it can take a while. I know uh, I think the most famous late launch product was the Pebble. And those guys got, what, $10 million? Wow. Somewhere around there. Yeah. And could you imagine if the Pebble never actually came out? It got a, it got enough controversy with just people saying I ordered it and you know two years ago and they started shipping and I haven't got mine yet. Yeah, yeah. But I mean it, and and I'm not trying to say anything bad about these projects because some of them just do take time. Mm-hmm. Like when um when the Oya was out, when the Oya was on Kickstarter, I think that was a while back as well, and it didn't like I think it just recently kind of came out and is sort of making a splash now. Yeah. And it, it's always really easy too to underestimate how much it is, and I think it's even harder when it gets really popular compared to what you're initially expecting. Right? Because you can do a lot of research and you can have everything planned out, and then if you have ten times the demand, that plan may no longer be valid. Exactly. Which is a good problem to have. It is, but it's still a problem. And sometimes, <laughs> as sad as it is, sometimes there is a. I think there could be a point where you can, the, the the solution you had planned is no longer valid because you're too big, but the solution you need is still not valid because you're not big enough. Right. So there, cause some things have just an entry level cost to get up to that next tier and you may not be able to afford it. True that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I guess that, that, that was the summation of my Kickstarter backup. I just, I saw that, I saw that hit, you know, early, uh, early last week and I just really want to take the time to talk about it in a little bit. Oh, yeah, Definitely. Yeah. It's it's a big deal, and it's and it's a big topic right now. I mean, you can go to any RPG forum, uh, any RPG community, and that's what people are talking about right now. Is mm-hmm. you know they're talking about kickstarters that have delivered and ones that haven't, ones that maybe delivered but were late, or ones that you know crashed and burned, and it was terrible. And why did I back this? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's a lot of. I mean, there's one on um, there's one on RPG Net called Fail Starter. And it's been up, <laughs> and it's been up for months, and it's still like always on that first page because there's just a, always another person there to tell their story of something that they backed, and it kind of sucked. And that's kind of the thing here is that you know people are using Kickstarter as a way to go and find new games, and these game designers that really a lot of them don't know what they're doing are using it to sell to people who are just in the market for just something new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we've seen some great things come out of Kickstarter. Um, Most definitely. Yeah. Uh, my, my first experience with your stuff was actually off Kickstarter. I found, uh, I can't remember if it was part-time gods or if it was the, uh, Wu Zing one. Wu Zing was the first one you backed. Yeah. That, that was the first one I backed, but I think I may have ran yeah. across the other one first, but the I linked it. Gods. Yeah. yeah. I, I linked it to Tim and he's like, Oh yeah, I know Eloy. I already got that backed. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I think that's what happened was with the part-time gods. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, uh, it's uh, it's it is a great place for discovery, but it's it's not necessarily risk free, right? So, okay, I, th- I feel like we're droning on about Kickstarter now, so we probably we can, should move. We can go on forever about Kickstarter. Oh, there, well, yeah, that's true. There let's, is that much talk not. about. Let, let's not. Let's. <laughs> well, I do have I do have one question for you, uh, Lloyd. Yeah. Do you have anything that you're planning on putting on Kickstarter soon? The next Kickstarter that I'm doing is actually going to be a follow up to Part Time Gods, and it's actually going to be a hey, the game was released about two years ago and I have all these ideas. Let's try and get all these ideas into books, Kickstarter. Kind of a, just a general universe universe expanding with multiple books, multiple PDF releases, and just general, just huge amounts of expansion. Awesome. That sounds cool to us. Now, for uh, you know the five people that listen and that don't know what kick, uh, full-time, Part-Time Gods is, could you, <laughs> could you share with us a little bit about what your ideas behind uh, Part-Time Gods? Sure. Part-Time Gods is a game where you play a regular person who's been imbued with the power of a god. Um, So, you know, you're just walking down the street and something happens and you get struck with this energy and you're the god of fill in the blank. Um, And the coolest thing about the game is that it works very much like a, you know, like a Mad Libs game. So you can kind of make up whatever you want to be the god of. Uh, So that is, you know, that's the sales pitch right there. And then of course there's a, there's a a huge history and there's, you know, different ways that gods interpret their, their godhood and everything like that. Um, But I mean, the, the expansions that we have coming out are like, we have one called divine instruments, which is going to expand on, you know, worshipers and um, cool, like magical relics and territory, things like that. We have one that's in the works called minions of the source, which is going to have, a lot more monsters and stuff to fight. Uh, so, I mean, we have a, a, a lot of really fun things that we're, that we're cooking up to uh, release for this Kickstarter that will be out probably mid-September. Um, I, I have to get through Gen Con and Dragon Con before I can devote <laughs> enough time to um, running a Kickstarter. Yeah. So is it a lot of work when you're managing one of those things? Oh, yeah. I mean, because it's... it's um, it's a lot of communication with uh, the backers. It's a lot of, you know, checking numbers and making sure that you have your, um, you know, all right. <clears throat> it's a, so yeah, <laughs> my brain fart there. No, uh, no I mean, it, it, it has a lot to do with, you know, tracking numbers, but it's also a lot of really getting out, getting the word out and uh, really spending a lot of time like, on podcasts like this or on forums, having discussions and bringing mm-hmm. and, and jumping on and doing newsletters and sending out emails and, you know, doing a lot of things like, you know, mermaid adventures was nominated for an any this year. And we're super excited. Um, when I found out the news, I was super excited. So I just posted a couple places, but as soon as the voting was up, I spent an entire day sending out emails, sending out a newsletter, sending individual notes to people who may not have me in their Facebook stream. You know, like it, it took many, many hours for me to try and drum up 
some votes from mm-hmm. the people who I know would vote for me, but I just needed to make sure that they knew that it, it was nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's the, the socialness and the marketing of it actually takes up <laughs> quite a bit of time. And, um, and that is basically what Kickstarter is, is, it, is it's, it's less a pre-order tool. It's actually more of a um, widespread marketing tool. Right. And I think we've seen a lot of people that have used it like that. Um, but going back to part-time gods, the way I kind of explained it to some people is that it, it, to me, it feels like I'm reading American gods by Neil Gaiman and I, and I turn that into a pen and paper game. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I'm saying that cause I really like American gods, you know, <laughs> no, American gods was definitely one of the huge, um, inspirations for the book. It was, it was kind of a mixture between American gods and dead like me. Okay. And, you know, it kind of was like, it's American gods and, but it's, you're still pretty mundane. Like you can do these amazing things, but you know, you still have to go and have a job and you still have to be at your little sister's birthday. And, you know, it's like, you're, it's not, well, I was a regular person and now I'm a God. So my life has completely changed and I can rule on a mountaintop. It's like, no, it's, you're still just pretty much a person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who just happens to be a God. And uh, I mean, and that's one of the conceits of the game. And I mean, you can always bump up the power and go and play God, you know, I'm Zeus and I'm, you know, Thor and whatnot and go around and play that. But it's not really what the game was. It's not what it's designed to be. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the the fun part about expanding on, a, on you know, a universe like that that's really flexible is um, we have a lot of room, honestly, to expand. We're going to be going more into uh, giants, more into pucks. We're going to be going into more more about angels. Um, you know, just there's so much mythology surrounding gods. And since we can basically pick and choose which mythologies we want to uh, focus on, mm-hmm. um, you know, we kind of have a lot of fodder for some really, really great uh, supplements and expansions. Yeah, no, sounds, sounds great. I can't wait. Me either. Yeah. I'm smiling. You just can't. You can't hear it. <laughs> okay. Well, that explains what the creaking was. Okay. Got it. Uh. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. I'll let Tim talk for a little bit. I feel like I've been dominating our, our side of the conversation. I don't know. I feel like I've been dominating, but that's okay. Oh, no, you're the guest. You're supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that is your job for this episode is to kind of, you know, sell yourself and dominate all, mm-hmm. all the airtime is all yours. Yeah. But I mean, speaking of, you know, of American gods and, you know, we brought boozing is, you know, I, I guess, you know, some of the questions I want to ask you and I've always wanted to is when did you decide to take the leap to do third eye games? And when did you finally decide that this was your calling compared to, you know, doing a typical nine to five? Like I, I've always wondered. Well, I mean, it, it basically I've been designing games since I've been playing games. Um, you know, even when I started, cause I started playing, uh, riffs with my group of like four or five people and we rarely got stuff out of the books. We mostly made up stories. We made up monsters. We made up weapons and magical items for each other. Um, and you know, and that was just, that was just the environment that I was introduced to gaming. That gaming was making up your own stuff. Uh, and that just extended into my other games that I would end up playing like World of Darkness and, um, you know, and obviously I played a bunch of riffs, but um, I, I stuck with World of Darkness for quite a while. Uh, but I played some, you know, some D&D, some Pathfinder, things like that. Um, but it basically turned into 
me trying to go out there and freelance. And um, I got a couple of, you know, small jobs and kind of learned what it takes to be a freelancer. And then I realized I could, I could do it. I mean, I started designing um, a system that me and my friends would be able to just kind of play with um, and which what eventually became the DGS. And, um, and I was just going to put it out there for free. And then I realized how much work I was putting into it. And I said, well, why don't, instead of, instead of putting it out there for free, why don't I try and sell this and see, you know, and then as I started coming up with apocalypse prevention Inc, which was the first setting using that system, uh, you know, I started getting more art. I started getting a lot of really positive feedback from play testers and, um, and it all really kind of just flowed in that direction. I mean, it basically turned, it turned from me being happy with putting stuff out for free to me saying, you know, I really am putting a lot of work into this. I probably should get paid for this. Um, and I wasn't expecting a lot. I mean, I hoped for a lot, but I wasn't expecting a ton when I first, uh, you know, released it, but it, it, had very good turnout and, you know, everybody, and that's brought us to here at, at this point, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, how yeah. are you able to, I guess, like, what was your strategy for promoting your game? I know way back in the day, uh, you would just come up and say, Hey guys, check this out, read it. If you like it, here's, you know, a link for, I think it was like, I think you sold your first apocalypse book for, I think it was like 50 or $20. And it was a PDF if I remember correctly. Right. It was way back in the day though. Uh, how did you go from that stage to where you're actually doing print and play now? Like I have a copy of part-time gods on my shelf. I have an actual hard copy. So (laughs) I, I, can you explain that process? Uh, I mean, it took a while to get to where I'm at now. Um, you know, for, at first I did just release a PDF and um, cause I didn't really have a ton of money for printing. And I, you know, partnered with a, uh, with a distribution house and I was uh, Studio Two uh, Publishing, and they were able to help me kind of get my first copies into stores and get my first print copies that I was able to uh, sell to um, a few, you know, locals and go into cons and stuff like that. And it, it basically just kind of you know spiraled from there. Uh, you know, the more books I released, the more kept getting into stores, and there are stores that are very loyal to Third Eye Games, which is really cool. Like anytime a book comes out, they always order a few copies, um, which I'm always happy to hear, um, especially that people are playing it and you know playing the games, all the games that I've released, not just you know API. Um, but I mean, the the initial process really was get your business license, um, make your account with drive through RPG and, you know, put your PDF out there. But I mean, even before that, you need to make sure that you have layout, that you have art, that you have a good editor, you know, that you have a product worth selling. I mean, cause honestly you can put anything out there and somebody will buy it, but you know, <laughs> the, that's all, that's all concept behind the show. You know, we're going to yeah, put it out there and somebody's going to listen. Right. Yeah. But I mean, but, but the, the idea that you're putting something out that is worth buying means that you'll continue to, to sell, which is what I have been, you know, I've been lucky enough to do that. People do find value in my writing and, and in the games that I design, uh, that people are, you know, continuously buying even API that was released almost five years ago. People are still buying that book and still buying the supplements and still playing that game. And, you know, I can't ask for any more than that. I mean, 
the fact that people are still playing the game, that's really, really awesome. Ah, absolutely. I'm actually sitting here holding a copy of uh, the Wuzing Ninja Crusade uh, oh. that I got off Kickstarter. And <laughs> I was reading through it again today to kind of make sure I had some fresh familiarity. And so is the dynamic game system the system you use in all your games? Um, it's the, so the dynamic gaming system was a system that was used for API and Wuxing. Okay. Um, and then part-time gods used, uh, the DGS light, which, uh, removed the combat tracker, um, which was about the, the only change that was really made. I mean, and, and obviously removing the combat tracker, uh, made health and damage and everything else like all skew, but it's basically the same system. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the DGS is what I use for those three games, and then obviously uh, Mermaid Adventures and Camp Myth, which I released the, the following two years after that, um, are both using a new system that I had uh, created called the PIP system. Uh, but of course, I'm working I'm working on Sinister now, which will be using a new version of the DGS. So I, I haven't forgotten the DGS. I know that it's been a little bit since I've released a game with it, um, but I haven't forgotten it. So. The Sinister is my monster uh, training game uh, that you're going to be able to, you know, get a monster and train it and then fight and duel and stuff. So it's going to be a lot of fun and it's an RPG. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot of fun and I'm actually uh, close to releasing some playtest files uh, online because it's the first game that I've been doing in open development. Uh, so as soon as I have playtest files available everyone can download them and check them out and give me feedback. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, my hope is to get that out before Gen Con, but you know, let's see what happens. Uh, <laughs> you got two weeks. What, what, what can go wrong? I have two weeks and, and, and I actually do have the majority of it done, not the entire game, but I have, you know, the nuts and bolts of it, the basic mechanic, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a list of monsters to select from. All the monsters aren't done, but a list of monsters are there for you to try out, um, you know, and all of the character creation rules. And it basically is, it, I just have to, you know, um, detail a few points about the settings so that people who download it will have an idea as to what the game should feel like and, and what I'm trying to go for. Um, as soon as that's done, it should be up. So I'd probably say next week it'll be up. Uh, I, I try to say, you know, I'll try and have it up and all that stuff. And I'm trying to say that so that if it doesn't go up, then, you know, I don't lose a lot of face, but it'll probably be up next week. Yeah. So we won't Speak- hold you to it. Speaking What's- of those on the sinister stuff, cause it sounds really interesting. What is the, I guess, what theme are you going with, with the monsters? Are you going, you know, cute and cuddly? Or are we talking, you know, vicious wolves? Are we talking more? I'm, I'm kind of looking at like what age demographic are you targeting for Sinister? Right. Um, well, I mean, the the basic idea of Sinister came from me watching Pokemon with my daughter. And um, I thought, what if somebody did like a, a quote unquote Sinister version of Pokemon? Mm-hmm. What if instead of hey, I have a bandage on my head and you knocked me out. What if, like, monsters were tearing each other's limbs off and there was blood flying everywhere? Uh, And that was basically the initial idea behind Sinister. So, uh, you know, basically it's it's still an anime style with the art that I've commissioned so far, but it's uh, definitely more along the lines of, uh, you know, more mature anime as opposed to cartoony, cutesy anime. Gotcha. Gotcha. I think that means we need to do a, a just a recording of playing this game. It sounds amazing. 
<laughs> well, I hope that you guys do. Uh, again, it, the playtest <clears throat> files will be out. So if, if you wanted to do an actual play on the show, I'd, yeah, you could definitely do that. And I'd be a- available for any questions that you might have, you know, things like that. Yeah, we, we, actually, we actually run the game for us. Ooh. Um, yeah, I guess I could. <laughs> well, wait, well, what I was talking about is doing this at Gen Con. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> should have files available for Gen Con. I had, my schedule is filling up so quickly for Gen Con. I have a couple panels and uh, some games that I'll be running. Uh, I don't think any of them are sinister at this point. But, uh, you know, most of my nights are free except for Friday night and Saturday. Okay, so Thursday and so, so <laughs> Thursday and Sunday are available now at this point um yeah no but you know friday obviously being the innies and then um saturday i'll be playing some games with uh, some of my friends from the gamer chick show nice nice we're not we're not popular enough to be included in that brian i know no one likes us hold on just a second guys <laughs> sure sorry i'm back ah okay well i guess we'll, we'll we'll continue with the inquisition as as we have to do Okay. Uh, you know, we got to learn everything about Third Eye Games. We got to know all your secret tech, and we must steal it all so that we can make Epic turn into an RPG company. That was the whole plan this whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. After this episode um, records, we're going to shut down the the uh, iTunes feed. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and, it was and honestly, it, it, it goes back to what I said earlier: is have something worth selling, and people will buy it. Um, <laughs> Selling that, so, they'll steal it, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or steal it, I guess. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> what do they well, you say? Know, uh, plagiarism is the best form of flattery or something like that. <laughs> that, is that is true. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's a well-known thing with, uh, game designers. It's, it's kind of, a it's a, if your game isn't being pirated, then it might not be worth <laughs> anything. Um, so, I mean, I yeah. get, you know, Google alerts saying like, Oh, it's up on uh 4chan again. And I'm like, well, I guess I, I can't be too mad um, that it's up on 4chan again. Uh, but, <laughs> the fact know. that we have to use the word again is awesome, by uh, the way. It's, it's just, just letting you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's awesome when people steal your stuff. It's even better if they buy it. And, you know, the, the, but the thing about pirating and, and whatnot is that um, that person that stole your game and downloaded the PDF for free is somebody who was probably not going to buy it. So you didn't lose a sale. True. It's they weren't going to buy it, yeah. so it doesn't really matter in the end. Um, and some people do buy, download it for free to see if they like it, and then when if they do, then they go and buy it. I mean, there are people yeah. like that as well. So I mean, it's it's out there. It's the way of the world. That so that's why some companies actually have their business model, which is just pay what you want. Um, and there are quite a few companies who are doing that now. So many, in fact, that drive through RPG. Just, um, I think they're beta testing it now, but they have a pay what you want uh, option for for um, for publishers to put on their products. So you can literally just have a you can just download it for free, or feel free to give me some money if you want. Yeah. Are you gonna go to that model, Aloy? Um I actually plan on uh, during the uh, during the part time gods Kickstarter. I plan <laughs> on probably putting. Part, the part-time God's core book up for pay what you want. Um, just so that, you know, cause the entire thing is about expanding on a universe and what better way to introduce someone to the universe than to possibly give them a free copy of the game. And then, of course they can pay for it if they'd like. 
Right. <laughs> I, I guess I guess at the end of the show we're gonna have to give you a plug so you can just say whatever you want to sell their product. I'm just saying <laughs> like, so, buy part-time gods. So, so I, I, you know, and actually um Paz Pizio, Pizio, however you say that name. What? Paizo. Paizo? Yeah, there we oh, go. Paizo, yeah. Yeah, I mean they've been kind of doing the whole thing the whole time because Pathfinder is technically free. Is it? Yeah, it's uh I, it's it's released underneath the uh open source D twenty system. And so it's been free this whole time. They just sell their printed copies. Oh. You you can go on their website and get all of their rule books, every supplement, all of it's right there. Oh, very cool. I did not know that. Yeah. They also so, have that database site as well. Yeah, they do. And so it's uh it's kind of interesting that they've managed to become such a, a major player in the RPG market by giving by selling a free product. Well, and that's honestly because they're they're really, really like into their community and their community supports them. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, they were very smart to to uh jump on the license and make their own version and, and have, and have Pathfinder, you know, kind of mirror the, the D20 system that everybody loved. Uh, and it's not, it's not the same, but it mirrors it. Um, you know, it's, it's parallel. So, (laughs) um, but they were very smart, smart, smart business people. So Mm -hmm. good for them. Um, you know, I, I, I hope that they win lots of innies this year as well. Um, there, I'm not up against them. So that always makes me happy. Actually, I think you are in one category. Mm, I'm only in one category. No, you're, you're in two categories. No. Yes. I'm in, uh, you're in best family game for, for the merit, for the mermaid adventures, mermaid adventures, but you're also under fans favorite publisher category. Oh, well, yeah, I, yeah, no, it's, it's something. No, it is. It is. Um, and I'm happy that somebody nominated me, which is cool. Um, well, I mean, how long have you been doing this? Uh, five years, about five years. Right. And so here, five years later, you're in there with Wizards of the Coast, uh, you know, uh, uh, God, I have these names on the tip of my tongue a second ago. Uh, so <laughs> Catalyst Games. Rio Grande. You know, you're right there listing the same category as all these major players that every. Really cool. Yeah. So congratulations. Well, thank you. <laughs> Actually, that, that was going to bring up a next question is how do you how do you compete or do you even try to go against some of the bigger publishers or do you, or are you just hype the, or third eye games just wanting to go do their own thing or how does it feel to go up against these guys? You know, it's, it's interesting um, because the, the, the idea of going against the game company, I mean, the, the gaming industry is actually um, everybody is very nice to each other and um, very supportive because we are so small I mean, we're growing every day now because of Kickstarter and it's so easy to release a game. So now there's tons of publishers, um, whereas there was really only a handful about two years ago. Um, but it's still the same. It's, you know, there's always somebody there to give you advice. There's all these little small networks that, you know, are all kind of interconnected. Uh, and, you know, everyone's very pleasant to each other because, you know, taking down people, you know, basically the rule of thumb is don't be a dick. Uh, you know, it's, you know, as, as long as you aren't a dick, you, you can make it in the RPG industry. Um, so I don't really feel like I'm against anybody or, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to go up against the big guys or whatever. Um, you know, I'm kind of doing my own thing, uh, and, and third eye games is kind of doing its own thing. Um, what I do is every, anytime that I get an idea for a game, I do my research and I say, well, I have this really cool game idea, let me go see if it exists, you know, mm-hmm. and, and if it doesn't exist, then I make my own, you know, API came at a time where there weren't all that many, 
you know, monster espionage. I mean, there was Hunter a little bit before that. I think Monster Hunters, I know Hunter and Monster Hunters, um, and Supernatural, I think, had a game at the time. Um, but, you know, I had a, I had a unique spin on it, and I was really doing something different, and the system was completely new. Uh, you know, so it I felt like it was different enough to release. Uh, Wuxing is still one of the only games that really focuses on, like, high-impact martial arts. The, you know, there are other anime games out that have come out after mm-hmm. Wuxing, Um but none of them that, you know, really focus on ninja and the martial arts and whatnot. Part-Time Gods is still kind of in a, in a league of its own, and Mermaid Adventures was unique enough to get an Ennia nomination. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's I try to fill the, the niches that aren't taken up already so, so that I don't have any direct competition uh, until, you know, somebody might read my game and say, hey, that's a cool game. Let me go up against them. Right, right. <laughs> you know, because some people do that. I mean, as soon as I release a game, so somebody else will release a game kind of similar to it, and you know, hey, good for you, go ahead and do it. Um, and you know, but I did my thing, and it was you know, it was original when I did it, at least. So, well, <laughs> that, that explains why Tim's been working on that Merman adventure game. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, there was Merman, and then there was uh, what is it? Uh, what was my other game I was creating? I think it was part-time minimum wage. Jo- uh, no, no, I think no, it, was it was part-time jobs. No, 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 no. It, <laughs> it was minimum wage gods. It was ah, minimum go. wage gods. Go. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I just bring that up because I remember it was about four years ago. I remember, uh, you know, there were game shops running the whole trade in your D&D 3.5 book for a free copy of Exalted so that White Wolf could, you know, plaster their walls right. with uh, with the. 3.5 covers and so that's it, it's good to hear that you you're not doing that you're not wanting to be like not wanting to go directly against people that you like striking it out on your own i gotta admit that's refreshing because i've heard you know i've heard tales that, like you said most of the community is very you know it's don't be a dick but i've i've also heard that's not exactly the case sometimes so i'm really happy to hear third eye games is not in that kind of mentality when it comes to doing their game design and publishing their games well, I mean, and, you know, I I always try and look at publishing from a consumer standpoint as well. Uh, I am a gamer. The more games that are out there, the better it is for me because I get to play those games. Um, I'm a big fan of some of the people who I get to work with uh, on a daily basis, which is really awesome. Uh, you know, I mean, so it's so it's not like, you know, those people who are dicks about it, a lot of the time they're going to be the people who aren't gamers. They're businessmen. And they're trying to make as much money as possible, whereas, you know, obviously I want to make as much money as possible, but I'm in it to support the hobby as a whole as well. So I don't want anybody to fail. Um, It would be cool if, you know, everybody had enough money to buy both a copy of Exalted and a copy of 3.5, you know, and and maybe trade off weekends, play both games. I, I am always against people who want to you know settle on one game and say that one game is the end-all be-all of everything it's like no there's so many games out there play every game every game you can get your hand on i agree full-heartedly i gotta say that's my that's my one love about going to gen con is getting to see a bunch of games we probably won't usually get to see be it you know they're not big in the like local game shop area or maybe they are just you know starting off it's really refreshing to see that. Uh, I will say, you know, 
there are tons of board games we bought last year that we probably never would have even heard of. So <laughs> that mentality, I think, is the most important thing for gamers is yes, you yes. have to you have to try everything. You have to love everything you need to. You need to try it if you, you know, you never know what really awesome game you're going to find. Even if it, you just look at it like, oh, this looks kind of, it's kind of dumb or I don't know if I really like the setting. And, you know, you sit down and play and lo and behold, boom, you've fallen in love with this new universe that, you know, you're going to get to run wild in. Oh, yeah. Um, for instance, at, um, at Denver Comic Con, I got to play um, a Teen Titans hack of he- the hero system. Which, oh, was actually, which has actually been on my list of systems that I've been wanting to try for a while. Um, and the system flowed really nicely. It was not nearly as complicated as what um, I had been led to believe from everybody's comments about the hero system. Wait, uh, was this the new hero system as in the new edition or was I it the... I believe this was fourth edition. Okay. All right. Not fifth. I believe they're on fifth, but I believe this one in particular was fourth, but I, I could be wrong. It could be fifth. I know it's a later one. So I know it's not the early one. Uh, well, was the cover blue or black? Blue. That would be the new edition. Hey, there you go. There you um, go. But I liked it. I liked it a lot. And um, I didn't. we didn't make characters, which I have heard that that is actually kind of intensive. But, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, that's actually been on my list of games to try, mostly because I've been working on uh, a super setting of my own. And, but so you have to know the granddaddy of all supers games out there. You have to have played that one to know, you know, that you're not just repeating, mm-hmm. you know, and that is, that is like the superhero system. Uh, and, yes, yes. you know, so yeah. I played it and it was really fun. And, um, you know, my game is very different. So I'm comfortable now going forward with that project. Very cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I got to say, you know, superheroes. I love superhero games. So as soon as that one makes its debut, I'll have to scoop it up. Yeah, that one will probably be next year. Oh, yeah. No, I, just, I just released a game. I just released Camp Myth. Still, I'm sad. So what's <laughs> going Well, tell so, us about Camp Myth then. Um, well, Camp Myth is um, it's a property that I licensed from uh, Chris Lewis Carter. It's a young adult series about mythical creatures who go to summer camp. And uh, I actually approached him about the idea of making it into an RPG, and he was down. So actually, the both of us worked on it very much together, um, and we were able to use the game to even advance his storylines and, you know, kind of – and not only to enhance his storylines, but also then to give people the chance to uh, make their own characters and go through the established narrative with their own characters. Um so it, it was actually a lot of fun. And, 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 you know, you make mythical creatures like leprechauns or minotaur or fae, and you guys, you know, you play kids and you're all in summer camp and you're trying to get these merit badges for doing these fantastic, going on these fantastic adventures. Um, and it's a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, it came out really beautifully. And I actually just got um, the big stack of books that I'm about to ship out to, to backers. Uh, so finally they're going to get their copies of the physical book. I mean, the PDF has been out for, I believe a week or two, mm-hmm. but it's going very well. It's already got a four and a half out of five review. So can't complain. It's going very, it's going very nicely with camp myth. Very Sweet. nice. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. I, I think it's pretty, no, we're both, everybody still here. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Sorry. I heard like it sounded like somebody hung up. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, I, 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 you mentioned that as a licensed property. It seems like good games based on licensed properties are pretty rare. 
<laughs> well, I'm glad that mine is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's also it's also based on expectation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Chris Chris's fan base is growing right now, and you know, we weren't walking into years and years and years of established plot that you know tons of fans are all going to be very meticulous about. Um, he had one novel and was working on the second one. And, um, you know, we could kind of make it up as we went along and, and, and it wasn't, you know, I've licensed this property. Now I'm going to do whatever I want with it. We worked hand in hand together to make it a good game, uh, which I think is also different from what a lot of licensed, you know, licensed games come from. A lot of the time it's, I bought the license. Now I'm going to do whatever the hell I want with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that does produce some pretty crappy games. Sometimes there are a few gems. But you're you're right. There are a few gems in there. <laughs> <laughs> few, just a few. A few, a few. not a ton. Not, but, uh, not a ton. And and of course, I, we mentioned before. My favorite gem of any kind of license product I've seen it has to be the uh, Spartacus board game that came out last year at Gen Con. Did oh? you? Yeah, it was actually right near your booth. I don't know if you saw it, but I did not. Yeah, oh, it's amazing! <laughs> it is absolutely amazing. It, it captures the spirit of the show, all the back tr- backstab, excitement, fights, and betrayal, and all of that, especially the betrayal. And it really drives it home with a knife in your back. Um, yeah, so I, I'd highly recommend it. Highly recommend. For it. me, the Battlestar Galactica board game is amazing. I play it any opportunity I have um, because it is that awesome. I've heard say, good things. I haven't had a chance to play it myself. I will say that is probably one of the best themed board games next to Spartacus that oh, I've man. ever played. It is phenomenal across the board. So, yeah. so you would rate Spartacus as better than than uh, the Battle Ooh, Star? I don't know. I I guess I'd have to I'd have to do it to where we play Spartacus one night and then play Battlestar the next night and then make a decision. <laughs> like did, did, did Battlestar. Did I just create the next topic for your next show? Oh, <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to order the copy first. So it might, versus Spartacus. Yeah, that, that could that could work out. I, I could <laughs> I'd have fun with that one. I think I think yeah I think we'd have to record snippets of while we're playing though. Oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah. yeah. Ding, ding, yeah. Have you done Have you done the uh, game order yet today? Yes, I already have. It's already it's already cleared and on its way. Well, darn. Oh well, next time it's it's okay. It'll be next month. Yeah. But uh, what I was gonna say is the one thing about Spartacus I absolutely love is that I have never seen in any game I've ever played minus Power Grid, I have ever seen people standing around a table cheering, shouting, screaming <laughs> for the winner to be announced. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's the only time I've seen it. You're two people fighting an arena. You roll some dice, and every all four players are around the table because everybody's you know because you bet on the fights, right? So everybody is invested in the outcome of the fights, and it's just really, uh, really exciting. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, it sounds awesome. Yeah. I, I'll have to definitely give it a try. Uh, hopefully, maybe they'll have a demo of it or something at this year. I think they're coming out with an expansion, aren't they? Yes. No, the expansion's already out. The big one that they're doing this year is the Firefly board game. That's right. Yeah, the same people are involved in the Firefly board game, which we're oh, also excited nice. to try. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. might have to steal you away from your booth for like five minutes. And be like, "Oh, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here." Come here. I, I think I could probably that okay <laughs> works yeah now speaking of gen con real quick though we are gonna be there uh we are planning to bring our laptops and recording some um cool. so if you are available anytime you want to sit by and talk for a few minutes uh you know we'd love to we'd love to yeah, do I'll that be available. Uh, i'm gonna be at booth 619 
Okay. And, um, I'll, I, you know, I'll, I have coverage there, so it won't just be me at the booth. That would just be kind of sad, but I have some people coming out to help me, uh, to run the booth and stuff. So I could probably step away for a few minutes. It shouldn't be a problem. Okay. Cool. That'd be great. Yeah. Cause yeah. Our, our plan is to just go pretty much, uh, raw recording is we're just going to record, you know, maybe take a few minutes, step into the game room, have some people sit down, say a couple things, and then we're just going to release pieces of the episode all five days. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah. 15, 20 minutes a day kind of thing. And that's assuming we're sober enough to keep talking. (laughs) Or if we're even still on our feet from walking the vendor hall, because we all know that is a, (laughs) that is, I think literally I lose like five pounds every year just walking the vendor hall. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a three, a it was a three day track last year. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so uh, if I could shift the topic back a little bit, we were talking a little bit about the game systems and, you know, I saw that, you know, in the dynamic game system, you mainly use, or is it exclusively uses a D20? Yes. Just it, a D20 for the whole thing. Right. And you add that to your, to your stat score and you check that against the difficulty. Correct. For, and that, and that's the base mechanic for everything. Right. Okay. So, that's a pretty stark contrast to a lot of these different game systems we see where, uh, you know, of course the D and D system where you have eight different dice or whatever it is, uh, you have, um, world of darkness, which is mainly what D sixes and D tens, right? D tens. Yeah. D t- yeah. Now I'm thinking of a different one with D sixes. Sorry. My mind, I get names confused. Shadow I apologize. Run D6s. That's right. And That'd then, uh, the one we played for Warhammer where you, everything's a percentile die. Right. And then, um, and then like Savage Worlds uses all of the dice too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's a matter of, uh, I mean, it's just, and it's just different types of design. Um, I'm not really a, one of the dice, I'm not a dice person really. Um, I like to roll dice, but I'm not like the person who walks around with like three bags of dice just in case. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, basically whenever I'm designing a game, it just goes with what feels right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I ran, I ran API and whooshing and stuff with, you know, different kinds of, you know, I, I tried dice pool, I tried D sixes, I tried D tens, all kinds of different things. And it basically just ended up with standard D 20. It just kind of worked, um, across the board and it made everything balance out better, uh, for the system. And, uh, which is interesting because with the new version, version of the DGS that I'm doing for Sinister, mm-hmm. it actually is 2D10 instead of 1D20. Um, but the same base system, so it's still 2D10 plus your still, you know, plus your attribute plus your skill, you know, and you're trying to hit a difficulty. But, um, you know, everything skews a little bit differently when you start changing dice around. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was trying to work towards because, like I don't particularly enjoy the uh, you know the dark heresy and those war in the Warhammer base series uh, because of the percentile dice. Mm. You know it uh, it leads such a drastic range where it seems like it's almost impossible to have a character that can consistently do anything. Um, yeah, well, and, and, and I guess it depends because um, there are there are games like I mean to 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 go to a, a strange one of of a way to do it right. Um, Palladium actually used percentile and as, as, as laborious as it was to play in that game. And, you know, cause there was a, a thousand different rules for different things. Skill usage was actually pretty straightforward. I mean, if you had a 70% chance, you'd roll 2d10. And if you rolled a 70 or below, you did it. Um, you know, it made it pretty easy. It was just that 
every skill had its own percentage and you got bonuses from this or that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it basically made it kind of, you know, like I said, like cumbersome to, to even do the, do the, the system. Uh, but it, it was a way that it did work after you did all the, the math and everything to make everything work. It's, it did work, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, it just didn't really, but the problem was, is that it used percentile, everything else used a D20 and then other things were using D6s, then other things were using D10s. Mm-hmm. And it was like, there was no kind of streamlining at all for that system and not, uh, you know, it's not, excuse me, it's not my favorite system anymore. Uh, it used to be the only thing I used to play. Um, which is, you know, why my system actually kind of does uh, borrow a couple of things from Palladium, and but I streamline it and I make it more usable uh, using the the DGS. So, so more fun, less charts. Yes. <laughs> are, 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 although there are charts, um, but you know they're not you know crazy charts. Mm-hmm. There's not a chart for everything. <laughs> yeah, well, I need to know what happens when I order breakfast. <laughs> 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 oh yeah see i was gonna say with the percentile system there's only one i have actually really enjoyed and it's because of my old school way and you know one of the first systems i ever played was coc good old call of cthulhu percentile based system i i love it still love it i i don't know i guess i don't have a huge problem with the percentile system the surprisingly the ones i i, I can't really get behind are a d6 system I'm just not a huge fan of rolling 20 D6 unless I'm dropping a massive fireball on someone. I was about to say, for my standard system, I don't like, you know, I don't like uh, rolling. I guess I'm, I guess I'm in the same boat with Aloy in certain senses that I'm not a big fan of rolling tons of dice. Yeah. Like Uh. I do like the, you know, I do like a simplified system. I think that's why I really enjoy like world of darkness. It's the second edition is it's just D tens really straightforward. Do you make it? Do you not make it? Uh, I like that. I like that. It's pick it up. I can go. I mean, that's another reason why I love the Dresden files, the, with the fate, with the fudge system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fate system. Sorry. Uh, I love, I love that because it's more about telling the story than it is dealing with mechanics. Right. And anything mm-hmm. that lets me present a better story, I'll take any day of the week. Oh yeah, uh, I mean that's it's why I like Savage Worlds too. It's you know you're rolling two dice and and one of them will always be a d6 and the other one changes based on what you're trying to do, but you're still only ever rolling two dice and it makes it very simple for you know um, task resolution. Mm-hmm. Same thing for Cosmic Patrol. You're always rolling a d12 plus something. Right. And then you roll and then you spend a skill point and you screw everything up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, plot points. How we love you. Tim, can I have plot points the next time we play World of Darkness? No, you are not allowed to have plot points. And no, that cannot be your superpower. No, you are not a supernatural <laughs> creature that has plot points. And no, sir, you are not allowed to bring a cosmic control book to World of Darkness Night. I will take it, burn it. I won't burn it. I'll just take it. And I'll give it to Ryan. Oh, he's very mean to me, Lloyd. Can't you tell? <laughs> no uh, well in that kind of well i think something alloy touched on about the whole percentile where you're saying you know you roll 70 or below and you're fine i think if uh the dark heresy books are a little bit more like that but i guess maybe it's just the flavor of the universe is so sucky and grungy <laughs> that i'm lucky if i have a 35 in a skill ah there you go <laughs> oh yeah, i mean 
if everybody doesn't know how to do anything, like yeah. 10% chance of doing anything, well, you're screwed then. Yeah, well, well the average is like 25% chance of doing anything. Uh, average is about 30, but it's still, yeah, we were all sitting, I still remember this, we were all sitting outside a room and we're like, okay, we can't get through the door. It's locked. Okay. All right. Who has the ability to like crash? Who has the ability to pick, slice, like someone get us through this door and the first person checks, fails. Second person checks, fails. Third person checks, fails by two. Like, okay. All right. You know what? Who has a big old blaster? Who can just blow this door off its hinges? We're done playing this game. <laughs> we're space marines. I have a good role to shoot. Yeah, well, we were playing the Rogue Trader variant for a while, and I managed to somehow make a character with a 70 ballistic skill, which apparently is broken as all hell in that game and just should not be possible. Um, and, and, and that's how, I mean, hitting 70% of the time is a miracle in this universe. And, um, it's just, I don't know, maybe that's what about it rubs me the wrong way more so than the percentile. Cause I can deal with a 70% chance to hit, but a 30. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I might as well just roll one D four and say, Oh, I rolled a one. I hit. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, and that's kind of the thing is, you know, dice, Dice, um, you know, they all have their own, uh, what is it called? Ratio, success ratios. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to, I mean, basically they could have done, they could have done the work if they had had a a non, and I haven't played Dark Heresy at all, by the way. So my, my stance is just on the having a base 25 to 35% in most things. That's just poor game design, I think. Like yeah. you should at least have a fifty-fifty chance of doing your average things. Like it, it seems kind of silly. I think my character could walk and chew gum at the same time without a roll, but yeah, much more than that, I'm not sure. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Admittedly, oh. maybe we weren't applying some of the like situational adjustments correctly. I'm really not sure, but it was. Maybe you guys are just bad at making characters. This is also true. <laughs> he found us out. Darn. Well, okay, we have to cut that part from the show. Yep. <laughs> nope. Can't admit that. On, cannot admit that on air. We cannot. Oh. But anyway, so I guess you know, with our name being Epic Turn, I guess I have two more questions, two last questions for Aloy. Okay. One is personal. The other one's going to be about Third Eye Games. Okay. What is the pinnacle right now for you? Moment of Third Eye Games. Like, what is the moment? that stands above all moments of the of the company's history that you know if you were to sit there and speak to a young upcoming person like what is that like we all have that moment in life where it's like okay i remember when we did this and nothing can top it or what is that you like i said what's that pinnacle moment for the company uh for the company or for me as like a game designer Oh, no, either because that's part of the company well okay. i think it's well, more they, targeted at you because us- it's because it's pretty cool like I mean, first off, the fact that I'm now any nominated game designer, Aloy LaSanta, um, like, it's weird to, like, I have, like, a title now that I can put on things. That's just weird. Um, (laughs) Because usually it's just, hey, I'm that dude. Um, Now I'm that any nominated dude. And, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully I'll be that any winning dude. Yeah. And Uh, then you can say Mermaid Adventure and put the uh, award winning sticker on the on the book. Exactly. That would be awesome. Um, but no, I, I, I think so. I think the year that Mer- I think the the year that Part Time Gods came out, 
um, I actually had I had a 13 year old girl who came over with her friends and she came and checked out the book and I told her about the game and everything. And, you know, her and her friends were just kind of, eh, oh, that's pretty cool. And it just kind of went away. And I was like, yeah, OK, that that's basically what I expected. Um, and then like the last day of the con, she came back with her mom, like her and her mom. And she said, Ma, that, that, that's, this is the game I was telling you about. It's really, really awesome. And her mom says, well, you know, you're only getting one thing from the con. If this is the one thing that you want it to be, that you can get this. And, I, and she was like, yes, 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 please, please, please. And I was like, wow, my game got to be the one thing this girl got at the con. And, and that just filled me with so much pride um, that she was, you know, going to give it a shot like that. And, and, and that seems small in the grand scheme of the scheme of like what was the most monumental moment of your business. But I don't know, for me, it was like, wow, like, you know, this is like important to other people. Like it's important to me, obviously, but it's a matter of, you know, realizing that it's not just about making money. It's about these games going into people's lives and uh, providing them hours and hours of enjoyment and, and actually changing their life because it gives them a chance to let go of their everyday realities. And it's, and it's just one of those, just, if you really stop and think about it, it's, it's, you know, being a writer, being a creator, a game designer, like you are changing people's lives with that. And it's so awesome. That's yeah. Amazing. <laughs> like that, it truly is an amazing story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it make it makes my next question I, like seem so so trivial. <laughs> you asked him in the wrong order, man. I, I apparently I did. I uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, gonna come up, I'm gonna come up with a really really inspirational answer for this one too. Go. What's your favorite right. color? No, that's not. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> that can't be the question. That's, that's not. So, like. Uh, the name of the podcast is Epic Turn. So I want to know, what is the most epic turn you've ever had in the time you've been a gamer? Oh, I think he just told us that, didn't he? Well, do you mean epic turn like something I did with one of my characters? Characters, you were playing a board game. Like, that's the whole point of this podcast. And the reason behind it oh. is because as gamers, we all have that moment, that war story we tell. It could be, you know, I had this awesome, you know, I had this awesome turn in Dominion or I had a character. We were we were storming the castle and all this stuff happened. What um, is that epic turn for you? I had. Um, OK, so BSG, the board game, um, I would say <laughs> I've been playing that a lot recently and there was um, it was really fun. It was uh, it was while we were playing. I, I talk a lot of crap while we play because I like to root out who I think um, the Cylon is, and even if it's me, I like to find out who the other Cylon is because there's usually one, you know, more than one, and uh, there's always more than one. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're only playing with a few people, but then, then there's only one. But if you play a full game, there's a possibility of three out of a six-player game being Cylons. Yep. Wow. Yeah, it's a possibility. It doesn't always happen because it could just be two, but it's it's kind of a random thing. Um, but basically, uh, there was this one game where, you know, I talked a lot of crap and and this person was making some sketchy moves. And um, I was like, OK, well, I think my first action. Well, I, well, I said I said, all right, guys. This guy's obviously a Cylon. We need to get this guy out of here. And I said, so can somebody executive order me, which is a card that allows you to give somebody else a turn? 
Mm-hmm. And I said, can somebody um, executive order me and I will throw him out the airlock. And they did. And they threw it. I, and I was able to get all the votes. We voted him out of the airlock. And then with my second turn, which executive order allows you to take two turns. Um, so I, I voted him. I got him out of the airlock. And then with my second term, I revealed that I actually was the Cylon and I blew up the ship. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it was one of those kind of like what you were saying with Spartacus, like people like standing up and cheering and like it was, but it was the opposite of cheering. It was a lot of, oh, (laughs) you were the Cylon, no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sounds um, like a pretty good epic turn. Yeah, it was, it was, I, such a good game, but there's one of those every game uh, in Battlestar, which is why I like it so much. Gotcha. I yeah. think uh, I think this is this is where we kind of bring this to a close. Yeah, so, oh, I'm, I'm having. All, we can keep going. We got all night. No, um, oh, I, I have I have family to spend time with. I understand <laughs> so that. My, my mine's waiting upstairs for me too. So, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us or tell us about this coming up? You've already told uh, us about the new game, the new Kickstarter, but yeah, nope. Whew, yeah. This is this is where you can essentially do as much of a plug as you want, <laughs> and we may you or haven't may done not one yet. Yeah. 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 We, no, we yeah, because I haven't done any. I haven't talked about my own stuff at all. No. Um, <laughs> we, we're, we're just a little disappointed, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> just warning you, we might bleep every single title that you say out so that we can uh, skip. So. Mm-hmm. Um, no, honestly, I, I think I have actually – I've told everybody about all my games at this point. Um, you know, the, the greatest part about being a game designer is that I'm constantly creating new content. We're working on like the Land of Crashing Waves for Wuxing. Uh, we're actually working on a second edition for uh, API, you know, commemorating its five years being out. We're going to try and come out with a second edition for it um, to kind of, you know, uh, update some of the rules. You know, I've I've grown as a person, so I want to, and as a game designer, so I want that to be reflected in, in in the games that we do release. So I've I've become a better game designer than I was when API came out. Not that it's not a good game, but it it. I can tweak it to make it even better, which is awesome. Um, you know, part-time gods, we're going to do that Kickstarter. We mm-hmm. just released Thimble for uh, Mermaid Adventures, which allows you to take the rule, the same rules and apply them instead of mermaids, apply them to little people living in the walls. And, oh, nice. um, and then obviously Camp Myth just came out. And I don't know when this is going to be going, but Chris Lewis Carter, who obviously owns the license for Camp Myth, is uh, he actually just launched his uh, Kickstarter for his second novel, Kraken Fishing. So go check that out on Kickstarter for look it up, Kraken Fishing. I'll find and, it um, in the show notes. Yeah, back that out. Back that up if um, if you want. Yeah. No, it sounds, uh, sounds sounds like you've been busy. I'm always busy. <laughs> <laughs> it's my thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to come here and talk to us. It's been uh, really cool from my point of view. Yeah, it's been awesome having you on, Aloy. It's great to talk to you after, you know, not getting to see you for a whole year. I know it's been a while. We'll yeah, see each okay. other at Gen Con, though. Um, <laughs> we will just a few weeks away. Yes, two weeks. Two weeks. Oh, two weeks. Oh. Uh. I, and, you know, it's Gen Con is always a mixture of excitement and dread. Um, <laughs> you know, it's because it's like it's excitement because I get to go and sell books and play games and see people I only see once a year. But it's also dread because it's a lot of organizing booth schedules and making sure you get places on time and uh, crowds and a lot of other things. So it's, you know, it's kind of a mixture. Um, it's mostly excitement though, which is the good thing. No, that's good. 
<laughs> I, I, I checked out the uh, the Indie Awards, and uh, I, I wish you, you know, a lot of luck on that one. I kind of hate that we didn't have you on last week, and then we could at least tell people to go vote for you. But today's yeah. actually the last day of voting, so <laughs> <laughs> which which is cool. Honestly, I like my chances. Um, you know, most of the other games that I'm up against, uh, that you know, that Mermaid Adventures is up against, is um, you know, they're just as well known as Mermaid Adventures. So we're we're all pretty much on par. None is. You know, none of the none of the games are like huge standout hits that have sold billions of copies or anything like that. So we're all, you know, pretty small game designers or, you know, from it from what it appears. I mean, except for Doctor Who. Um, At least it's a good IP. Yeah, it's a good IP. And, and it is actually a, it's, a, it's a fun game. And uh, I, I know why it's there on a the family. But, um, you know, but like my game and Hero Kids and uh, Project Ninja Taco Panda, Panda Taco. Panda taco. <laughs> I always get that one wrong. Project Ninja Taco. No, oh, it's Panda Taco. Ninja Taco. Why do I always want to put Taco after Ninja? I don't know. <laughs> well, think about it this way: it's pandas and tacos. That's that's all you need it's, to know. It's pandas and tacos with ninjas with the word project at the beginning. And um, so, I mean, there's 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 some good stuff in there, um, and it's just a matter of you know getting people to go out and vote. And I, I did the best that I could with getting people to come out and vote. Hopefully, um, you know, maybe I'll win the silver, you know, I'm happy, honestly, just being nominated. If I win, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, well, hopefully when we talk to you at Gen Con, you're going to be dancing up and down going, I want, I want, I want, I want. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> I, w- I think I'd pay to see that. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty entertaining in person. Yeah. Well, you've been entertaining on here. And so thanks again for coming <laughs> on. Um, I hope you, you know, maybe you can come back after you, when you're doing some of this next stuff you're talking about yeah, doing sure. and we can talk about how that's going for you. We'll definitely do. Okay. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Well guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Epic Turn. You can find our show notes at epicturn.com slash episodes slash three. You can also follow us on Twitter. Brian can be found at Kelton and I can be found at Telshin. Also, you can follow Third Eye Games. So Lloyd, what's your Twitter? Uh, at Third Eye Games. Oh, that's, that's pretty straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> if you like the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week for another epic turn. <laughs> <laughs>but uh i'll have to i'll have to what i'll have to do is i'll have to bring in like my part-time gods i'll have to grab like my part-time gods and i don't have an api copy i'll just go buy one real quick and uh you know you know hey, lloyd likes hearing that yeah, I do. <laughs> and I'll, I'll have to see if i can't shop it around to the lgs's up here and see if i can't get them to to kind of very cool yeah, be like listen you guys don't make me come back here because i don't want to come back here <laughs> You will start buying this product. You will start. You will start stocking it. You will not stocking it. Sto- ah. yes. <laughs> stocking stocking it. the books. You will start stocking Aloy. Um, that book hasn't know. moved. <laughs> <laughs> then one day I, I'm going to walk in there, turn it around. It moved. Holy no, um, <laughs> you will start carrying this stuff immediately. Oh, so, so who won the date with you? Um, oh yeah no one actually it, it, the um basically one of the organizers of the innies ended up just paying money and he's just like i actually wanted to kind of sit down with you and talk to you anyway so i'm gonna go ahead and get your date and i was like cool yeah nobody wanted my date this year i was kind of sad about it but it's okay oh